Welcome to Leading to Sales. My name is Brett Williams. I am your host today, like I am every time. And I am particularly excited about today's episode. I've actually got my pen and notepad ready because I think we are going to get a completely new perspective that we have never had on this show before. And it's going to change the way that you look at your business. And frankly, in my opinion, if you think about it the right way, it's going to change the way you look at your life. Um, so Paul Daniels is our special guest today. And I just want to give you a, a very brief kind of high level synopsis of who Paul is and some of the, some of the amazing work that he's done. So he's helped in a lot of different industries. He's worked with clients like General Electric, United Healthcare, DuPont, AT&T, and he has done this for four decades, 21 industries, 26 countries, a billion dollars in net new revenue. And believe it or not, one escaped abduction attempt in Nigeria. And I can't wait to hear a little bit about that. Um, Paul is currently the chief revenue officer for Intelligent Contacts. Um, it's a communication and payment software company. And then outside of that, he actually runs a consulting firm that actually, I believe, helps with what we're going to talk with talk about today. So we're going to be right back right after this with none other than Paul Daniels. Welcome to the Leading to Sales podcast. Every week, we're bringing you leadership, sales, and marketing strategies to help you move your business forward. Here's our host, internationally known sales and marketing leader, Brett Williams. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show, man. Uh, Brett, it's great to be here. Thank you very much, and hello to your audience. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. I, I know you've got a lot. You've got a lot of irons in the fire right now. So, got a few. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're not an, a not busy person, which I think we are all at that point anymore. But well, sleep is overrated. It is. It is. I you know I told my grandfather once told me I could sleep when I was dead. Um, That's right. <laughs> so, well, firstly, like I said, welcome and thank you for coming on the show. I would love just for you to um, give us a a kind of a brief background on yourself, you know, where you're coming from and what led us to this point or led you to this point of really starting to think about and address peripheral thinking. Yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, so let's see the, I guess the easiest way is, you know, my, my day job is as the chief revenue officer for intelligent context, it's an outstanding organization that offers, um, software for communications and payments in a, a number of industries accounts receivable, healthcare, and so on. Um, in my spare time, then I, I get a chance to advise a few clients every year um, on creative problem solving, some solution development, things like that, which has been born sort of out of, uh, out of my background. Um, as a kid, uh, I grew up uh, like anybody else, but I really struggled with some stuff. Uh, and it wasn't until I was 40 that I um, learned that I have dyslexia of all things. And I learned that when our daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia and, and that, uh, that turned on a lot of light bulbs for me because I had always seen the world slightly different than others. And, um, of course, reading and writing was, was difficult and school was kind of a, a crummy thing, really kind of sucked, <laughs> but regardless, um, it taught a bunch of things like tenacity and, and seeing different ways to solve problems. And through, through, just basic learning of that and applying that and and seeing people kind of cock their head when I came up with an idea uh, that to them seemed unique, but to me seemed extremely obvious. Um, I began to to see that 
gosh, this 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 way I see the world, the periphery is um, is somewhat unique. But as I explained it to more and more people, I realized you don't have to be dyslexic in order to use these uh, these techniques and these approaches to make some really outstanding you know impact. I, I tell my clients, look, you don't have to take huge risks to make huge impact and, and you don't have to be the next great thing to have a really great life or opportunity or business or company or solution or whatever that is. Yeah. So that's no, kind of that. the genesis of it. Yeah. I, and you know, the, the thing I love about it is, is I think that, um, you know, in studying some of the stuff that you've sent me and, and in even just kind of doing a very surface level dive into the idea of peripheral thinking is it's this balance of, of um, uh, approaching problems from a different way and often what can lead to revolutionary ideas, but it's not leading to revolutionary ideas like you're like you're saying by taking enormous risks. And, you know, honestly, whenever I first started studying some of the stuff you sent me, I thought, well, this is awesome for Paul, but I, you know, I, I guess you could say I'm, I'm blessed that I didn't grow up dyslexic, right? But so how, and then, as I studied more and more, I realized that it's actually a skill that you just had to learn because of the challenges that you had to overcome. And I love that because it's, it's kind of that true Phoenix story, if you will, of, you know, it, it's probably, that's probably a little dramatic, but. Well, no, I've, I've got the, I've got the, uh, the, the fire burns. I've got the scars from that. Yeah. It was definitely a <laughs> Phoenix story. <laughs> At least the burning part was, yeah. Whether yeah. I rose from the ashes, that'll be uh, determined when I die, I guess. <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well on rising yeah. from the ashes. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah. So let's talk. Um, let's just dive right in. I'm, I'm really big on just diving right in. Yeah. Um, you talk a lot about creative problem solving and specifically peripheral thinking. So before, just to kind of lay the foundation work, when you say peripheral thinking and creating problem in relation to creative problem solving, what does that mean to you? And, and what should that mean to our listeners? Yeah. So it, maybe it's better, um, as described better, better described in an exercise. So, uh, for those of you that are watching, um, I'm going to ask you to do so. If you are listening to this by chance, after it's been recorded and you're driving, please don't do this. Okay? <laughs> just, just listen along. Okay, so so I'm gonna we're gonna take three different steps in this. The okay. first is you're just gonna put your hand over your your face. Okay. So it's not covering your eyes completely, but you, you really can't see what's in front of you. Okay. Right? So now what you can see is by moving your eyes up or to the left or to the right or down you can see some other things, right? You just can't right. see what's in front of you. Right. Okay. So you can take your hand away. Okay. So imagine then that, that before we put our hand up, you had a challenge in front of you and you're looking at that challenge and then you place your hand in front of you. And what you see then is the periphery. Okay. Right. So that's peripheral vision. Um, it's been uh, scientists have proven that dyslexics have heightened peripheral vision. We see more in the periphery than, than 85% of the world. So 15% of the world is dyslexic. We see much more. Now, the next step is peripheral awareness. And that's where you go, gosh, you know, I, I missed a spot when I was painting the ceiling or um, there's a note on the wall I forgot to take care of today. So peripheral awareness is looking now into the periphery and, and noticing that. That's peripheral awareness. Okay. So imagine then that you've got that challenge in front of you and you've recognized the periphery. 
um, if you were to theoretically move, say, 100 yards from your original position and look at your challenge from there, you have a different viewpoint, right? You'd see something right. perhaps different, maybe a little different uh, detail of the challenge that you're facing, how deep it is, how wide, tall, all of that. Right. Peripheral thinking happens when you go to that new position, even if you've gone all the way around it, you've looked at the challenge, but you go to that new position and instead of looking at your challenge, you look at what else is there in that 100 yards in the, to the right or the left of where you started and who else is there. That's where it starts to get exciting because you're gonna find other people, but they're not focused on your challenge. They're focused on their own right. and their own goals. And they have a perspective that they started with and they've got lessons learned and things they're applying now to achieve that. Right. So I ask clients and other people, you know, what does uh, a bakery in uh, Bulgaria have to do with a financial firm in Singapore? Well, probably more than you think. Okay. What does, you know, a, a printing card company in India have to do with uh, a steel manufacturer in Pennsylvania? Probably more than you think. It used to be said, you know, what does what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Yeah. Well, what does a, a flu in China have to do with unemployment rates in the U.S.? Wow. A whole lot. Yeah. Right. A whole lot. Yeah. So all of a sudden in the last 18 months, the world's gone. OK, conventional wisdom. There's a lot more things going on here. Yeah. So that's kind of the beginning when you move into the periphery and you learn from other people, other industries that seemingly are unrelated to yours. It's amazing the truths that that can be applied. Yeah. Another principle for, for dyslexics is being able to connect dots and see gaps. You know that uh, approximately 50 percent, don't quote me on this, about 50 percent of of people that are recruited to NASA they recruit specifically dyslexics wow. because we see patterns where others don't see. So it's, it's not a lot of fun um, <laughs> for folks to say you're going to take a test, yeah. uh, but only half the questions are there and they're in partial questions and you don't know how the test is going to be graded or if it's right. going to be graded. Well, dyslexics have a sense of what's happening because they're pulling information from a variety of different places. I'll stop there, but that's the, the basics of peripheral thinking and how it, you, I think you can see how it starts to change perceptive perception, perceptions um, on your own issues and whether they really are issues or if there's a way around them or over them, under them, through them, or a completely different path altogether to still reach your goals. Yes. I, I love this. And that's, it, it, it often I keep as the, we're talking and as I've, as I've been looking at a lot of this um, before we came on, I kept, I keep coming back to the quote that is, I think it's attributed to Einstein. I'm not certain, mm. um, but it's that the quote of, uh, and I can't remember the entire quote even, so I probably should have looked it up, but it was the, the one of, if you judge a fish on its ability to, to climb a tree, then it's going to fail every time. And, you know, I think that oftentimes what, society can sometimes place on someone as um, a challenge is often where their biggest strength is. And I, I love how you're taking this 
and now helping other people learn to think in different ways about their problems and how we can address them. So, yeah. Uh, thank you firstly for doing the work. <laughs> and, and yeah. You're welcome. And a great quote from a dyslexic. Yeah, Albert that's Einstein. right. I remember you telling me Einstein was dyslexic. Yeah, yeah. that was. So t let's talk just a little bit before we go deeper into the peripheral thinking. Let's talk a little yeah. bit about um, some of the stats that you've mentioned to me about yeah. um, how dyslexics will say this have impacted society and, and how some of the, the most major impacts have come. Yeah. The, um, so 15 percent, it's somewhere between 15 and 20 percent of the world um, have dyslexia and 30% of U.S. entrepreneurs are dyslexic and 40% wow. of self-made millionaires are dyslexic. So it's an unusual um, percentage of people that are in, in those two second categories, the last two categories that seem to really jump out. And, right. and yet uh, it's interesting when I speak with other at other conferences and, and with other people, uh, large groups, the number of people that will come up and say, you know, I, I'm not dyslexic. We'll talk a little bit. And I'll go, well, I think you are <laughs> <laughs> because they were taught to suppress it. You know, our, our education system, yeah. it, 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 it tailors to the, the majority. And obviously dyslexia is a minority. I completely right. understand it. And that's a whole nother conversation, but right. there are people that have those skills and as um, as we as we dig into it, it's only been recent that we've been able to identify these skills and apply them uh, to this newfound you know phrase uh, peripheral thinking. Now, uh, the World Economic Forum completed a study recently on the jobs required in 2025 and beyond, mm -hmm. and the jobs that have the highest need and the lowest availability are going to be dyslexic skill sets. It's, it's amazing. Ernst & Young or EY did a study on the World Economic Forum's report and they categorized it into you know, six different categories. We don't need to go through them, but right. each of those categories are some of the things that I talk in uh, my, during my keynote and, and with clients and uh, about and how they can apply those and learn those skills, even though they are innately found within a dyslexic. It doesn't mean that you have to be Einstein to do some really brainiac, cool things. Uh, and it's it's there for the take, yeah. dyslexic or not. And it's an exciting time because yeah. finally, 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 conventional wisdom is being challenged. And you know, I've been challenging conventional yes. wisdom for almost 60 years. <laughs> and finally, it's accepted. So. You, you know, woo, I'm finally cool um, that, that I can think, <laughs> yes. you know, a little bit differently uh, and teach other people to think differently. And it's and it's absolutely acceptable. Um, and we yeah. can go into history and to your point, we can go to history and see tons of uh, of inventions or new approaches to an industry that really aren't that new. Uh, scheduling yeah. um, the correct amount of people in a hospital during the COVID timeframe is simply a spinoff from just-in-time inventory from the fifties, right? In manufacturing, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just a, it's the same principle, modified slightly, applied to a new industry, and that's exactly it. Yeah. So I'm I've actually I've got on my wall here um, a uh, it's a large quote from Steve Jobs, um, and I'm sure Another you probably. Reason. 
Yeah. And, and I'm sure you probably already know the quote I'm going to reference most likely, but it's the here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. And I won't go through the whole quote. If you've not found yeah. that quote, go find it. Cause it's to me, it's a life calling um, to be the round peg in the square hole. Absolutely. And so I would love to hear, you know, more about how, we apply this peripheral thinking and, you know, someone who, sure. you know, maybe a more traditional thinker like myself, mm -hmm. how, how we can apply peripheral thinking in the business environment and even in our personal lives. Absolutely. So there's the first step is probably the easiest, even if you're an introvert and it's okay to be an introvert, you might even know I'm an introvert of all things. I, I simply okay. come alive when I get a chance to talk <laughs> about this. Um, but I get my energy by by being alone. I enjoy yeah. kind of solitude. So the first step is going and meeting some people, reaching out to them, LinkedIn, however, um, Facebook, doesn't matter. Find someone that's not in your industry, maybe not even in your city, country, country, continent. Go big. Find someone that has nothing to do with your industry and introduce yourself and say, I'm just doing, I'm doing a little research. <laughs> this guy, Paul Daniels, crazy guy in America told me to reach out to, you know, a baker in Bulgaria and you're it. And I want to learn about your business because it's, it's interesting. Once that begins, then you go from making a contact to getting some context around how they came to do what they're doing. Uh, who they're doing it with, how, what their perception is of their business, of their country, their world, their industry, all of those things. And as that conversation continues, then you get content. So you contact someone, you get some context about where they're coming from, and then content where they're telling you their lessons learned. And as you start to journal those things, then you can start making connections. Now I can apply my contacts and my context and my content. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a better way. There's too many C's in here. No, um, this is perfect. Make, this is like marketing heaven. Then you yeah. can make some connections between those things. Um, one of the other skills that, uh, that dyslexic have innately is um, rapid recall of experiences. When we see or hear something, it always, always reminds us of something else. Yes, we are those people at, at the, the business party or at a meeting that you say something and I've got something else to say about that. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to teach myself not to, but it reminds me of something else that is applicable, but from a different industry or a different time or a different person, right? Yeah. Um, when JFK said, hey, we're gonna put a person on the moon, Conventional wisdom said, oh, my gosh, you said what? We're going to we're going to do what? Not happening. NASA said, OK, we have to now broaden this. And so they went out and they found the best minds regardless. Yes. Astronomy. Yes. Physics, of course. But they went wide. Yeah. And and from that. They created new things that sort of already existed. Right. They created new materials from materials that were already there for everything from the heat shields to to space suits to tang. Right. All of that yes. stuff came because they put a broad net 
and they brought it together and said, absolutely, we're, this is the way we're going to get that person to the moon and back because yeah. it can't just be the conventional wisdom of what we know today, launching rockets. I love that. And that's, it's just, I think it's, you know, part of it is to me, it's getting clear on that purpose or that object or the, the, um, obstacle that you've got in front of you. And then, you know, from, from the peripheral. And again, I'm, I've, I know like saying I'm at one one level is giving me a lot of credit. Um, but I'll give you credit. Just, you can go to one Oh two. Okay, sweet. Let's see. The professor has, has advanced me everybody in case <laughs> you're you wondering. Um, but when, you know, as we're, continuing on this process and just getting these more perspectives and we're able to connect the dots ourselves oftentimes, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've done this through the power of mastermind. And it's, it reminds me right. of, um, you know, Napoleon Hill's book, think and grow rich. Yep. Um, you know, I'm talking about the past, the power of a mastermind and getting the different perspectives. You know, how do, how do we, as we're going through this and, you know, we start off with reaching out and connecting with others, how do we bridge that gap to where we can start to really think in that periphery um, more often yeah. naturally? Right. Uh, the, the, um, just spoke actually to a, a group of CEOs uh, that are part of a mastermind. And, and as you become part of a mastermind, the longer that mastermind is assembled, the more homogenous it becomes. Okay. And so yeah. the, the first challenge then was, okay, so stop asking each other about this. Not, not seriously, but just in, in this moment between us. And right. I want you to think outside of this group, you, you need to bring all of the experiences that you have to the table, not just your experience running a, um, a, a construction organization, a materials um, or a logistics company or a telecommunications company. That's true. And your teams are diverse. Right. But as you and your teams, including a mastermind, do that 360 degree review of your challenge, it's still from that team's perspective. Yeah. The broader the perspective, the stronger the solution to overcome that challenge. In fact, the more likely it is that that challenge is minimized and in fact may even disappear because it is non-essential. It's not that critical. This is, this is the direction perhaps that you might take to, to either reach that goal or that goal is great, but this goal over here that doesn't have that obstacle, that's a game changer. And you've already got all the skills to make that happen. So that's how you take that, that mastermind and really maximize it. When you get everyone in the max, the mastermind, Going to the periphery, wow! <laughs> now you know it's it's a ten x. You're starting to bring in tons yeah. of stuff to that group. I love that, and that's you know because I'm part like I said, I'm part of a mastermind that um, that we meet fairly regularly, and I, yeah. I love the idea of of forcing us all to think to the outside because it's it's very easy to kind of develop that tribe or that group group think, if you sure. will. Um, and, and there's nothing to say, Brett, that that the suggestions and recommendations and masterminds are, are incredible, great, great um, tool for helping people see the forest for the trees. Right. right. Um, and it's people that walk alongside you, that hold you accountable, that, that help you to take your blinders off. But that that's awesome to, to supercharge the mastermind 
is going to the periphery. So there's nothing wrong with the mastermind. It's great stuff. And, and there is conventional wisdom that is still true. And, and if broken is not a good thing, but yeah. that's okay to question conventional wisdom. Yeah, no, I love that. I, th I think it's, I think anymore, especially where we're at now, it's almost a requirement. If you're going to survive, you've got to question conventional wisdom. Um, Cause looks where it, look where it has led us to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the, uh, uh, before becoming the 34th president of the United States, uh, uh, Eisenhower, who was a general uh, in the U S army said, <clears throat> um, the quote goes, uh, when it comes to, uh, to, to preparing for battle, I find planning useless. Excuse me. I find pl a plan, a battle plan useless, but planning is indispensable. No original plan survives contact with the enemy. And for mm -hmm. us, the enemy might be uh, that challenge. It might be a change in an industry. It might be um, the uh, product that you thought was going to be awesome. Didn't kind of turn out as well as you thought. It could be COVID. Yeah. And yeah. we need to be able to challenge that um, with confidence that there are there are more answers and more solutions than there are problems. Wow. The answers are out there. Absolutely. They are out there. And that's what the the best of the best um, do to not only survive, but to thrive in in markets like this right now. 2020 was a huge year for a number of companies great year. Yeah. Like best ever kind of year. How can that be with unemployment? All that? Well, find them. And if they're not in your industry, there's your first challenge. Find who those are. If they're not in the industry, reach out to them and ask them. Yeah. There, that's step one. Now you've got a new contact, get some context, some content and start making your connections. I love that. And that's, I mean, I think the, what, and I just, I wrote this down and if you, if nobody else takes anything else from this entire show, there are more answers out there that, and solutions than there are problems. Um, and I, you know, I think that's, to me, that's like the spark to start somebody toward uh, thinking peripherally for lack of a better term. Um, Absolutely. I love that. I love that. There are more I've answers. I've got an example for you. If, if yeah. we've got the time, I, I have a, a brief yeah. example. So yeah. I was working with a client in 2012 <clears throat> and it was a, a hospital system in the upper Midwest. And we did some workshops and stuff. And on, on Friday, I was I was leaving, and the the head of that department, which was a patient, they call it patient engagement. It's a patient experience now. Patient engagement um, came up and said, "Hey, Paul, I, I can't make our call next week. Can we reschedule for a following week? Because my family and I are going to Hawaii." I'm like, "Oh, awesome! You bet. Yeah, we can do that." So I remember it because it was it was so frigid. It, took most of the weekend after I'd flown back to Dallas to unthaw my toes. And, <laughs> and on, on Sunday, of all things, I got a, a Sunday evening, I got a text. Um, we'll, we'll call her Jennifer. So Jennifer texts me and says, can we talk? And of course, she's a client. I'm like, sure. I'm thinking something's gone wrong. I don't know what it is. And so I'm replying and my phone rings. It's her. It's like, Paul, Paul, um, I get it. I get it. Okay, I understand you're you're excited. What do you get? That whole peripheral thinking stuff that you've been talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like what specifically? Well, my family and I we just checked into the Waikoloa Village uh, here on the main island, and um, and hang on, I got to tell you, I got to read it to you. And so she's reading this text, and it says, you know, Miss 
her last name. Thank you for being a Hilton Honors member. And uh, if there's anything we can do to help you, your stay be exceptional, let me know. And then it was the name of the general manager and his personal mobile phone. And I said, well, they absolutely know customer support there. So Jennifer, you're spot on. They know customer. In fact, I've been to that property. It's awesome. Um, she said, that's not it. That's not it. Well, okay. What is it? She said, why don't we do the same thing for our patients when they check into our hospital? Oh, Jennifer, <laughs> you do get it. You get it. So then enjoy your time with your family. We'll talk when you get back. Okay. So fast forward, they implemented a proven technology, which is yeah. texting um, and doing that based on the time that someone actually gets into a room and apply that to the patient, the people that are there with the patient. Here's the restaurants that are around the hospital. If you're staying, here's hotels, you know, all that good stuff. Now, fast forward, she's not a director. She's actually vice president of patient uh, experience for a huge healthcare system, like 20 to 30 hospitals, because she's using peripheral thinking. Yeah. The technology was already there. She just used it in a different way and powerful. And as a patient, absolutely love oh, it. Yeah. Go to that hospital all day, every day. Choose that over any other because they're using things that are about me. Yeah. And I think the thing that I want to make sure I highlight, because I, I know I know the way the people that a lot of people um, that are our listeners think sometimes, and I'll just say sometimes, I don't always know what, what they think because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I identify with them often is the important thing to highlight here is not finding tactics, right? It is. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Paul, but it, it sounds like the real mental work of peripheral thinking is breaking the chains of the mental barriers and silos we put into place around our companies, our departments, our industries, and even our specific job functions. Yes. And for her, that that per, uh, proverbial hundred yards to the right or the left of her position was physically a thousand miles. <laughs> exactly. To, to Hawaii, where her brain could continue to process and, and ingest things that she could then rely on and, and use later, or even in that moment, as she chose to you know, <laughs> call me on a Sunday night, I think it was about noon, they just checked into their hotel. Um, and, you know, they'd only been there 15 minutes. And she's calling <laughs> me. So I'm like, okay, so don't be angry. <laughs> Tell your husband not to be angry with me. I didn't make the phone call. Right. But exactly. it's exactly, it was breaking, it's breaking those things and just being aware. Yeah. We met with uh, some guys the other morning and we had a bre we had breakfast. Finally, we could do breakfast in, you know, face to face and learned a ton from our server. It was just incredible and went, oh, I'm taking that down. And it goes into my journal of lessons learned. Yeah. And those are the things that they just, they're, you know, they're, they're in here. Yeah. And it's just awareness. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So it starts with peripheral awareness or peripheral vision, peripheral awareness going into the periphery. And then when you're in the periphery, just keeping your mind open to right. options. You're not looking for a solution necessarily. But right. when you do have a challenge, that ready recall will be there and say, oh, well, I learned this thing from my baker in Bulgaria that said <laughs> this is the way that they do it. Super. So go find yourself a baker in Bulgaria or one of the companies that 
had a stellar 2020 and uh, and get to know him. I think that um, <laughs> now I'm going to I'm going to take it as a challenge. I'm going to find a baker in Bulgaria and connect with awesome. him. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I I won't do it now, but I, I I'll race you. Okay. And see if we can find one. Yeah. That's it. Uh, we'll report back on on who can find the baker in Bulgaria the fastest. And in fact, um, in fact, if I could do this challenge to your to your audience, look, yeah. if you actually take this as sort of a challenge, tell me, would you? I'd love to hear. I, I get these stories all the time. I'd love to hear the connections that you've made, and and if you've learned a lesson, great. If you haven't, that's okay. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Paul Daniels. Uh, I'm on the LinkedIn slash in slash Paul Daniels Jr. Yep. You can find me there. Um, just shoot me a message. Love to hear your story because Absolutely. it's you know it's it's food for my soul. Absolutely, and that's for anybody watching right now that we do have that scrolling across the bottom of the screen right now. If you're listening later in the podcast, we'll make sure we've got that on the show page, the episode page for Paul, um, so that you can connect with him directly on LinkedIn and. You know, above and beyond all of this, what I can really tie this back to, and this is how I've kind of assimilated this for myself. Um, when you start with that contact, and then I want to make sure I say this right, since, since we're, since we're going to have to make sure we brand, we're, we're going to help you brand all this. <laughs> yeah, I think they just made it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you start with that content and or contact, and then you go to the context, and that leads to content, and right. then to connections. Is it? It's really helping you understand um, the value of relationships more than oh. anything. You know, John Maxwell in his book, uh, mm. everyone communicate or everybody communicates, few connect. And I've quoted this on multiple shows now is that um, you can't truly add value to people until you first value people. And, yeah. you know, not uh, this is kind of a utilitarian way to realize the value of people. Um, but however you get started realizing the value of people and relationships, it doesn't matter. It matters that you start <laughs> right. and Absolutely. Um, seeing and the impact. Did, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say Maxwell did a fine job of rephrasing the, the original quote, which was from uh, Theodore Roosevelt, which was people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So true. Now, Zig Ziglar used that a million times during his, you know, his career. Yes. Um, and Maxwell, being a, a great author, great speaker and leader, um, is wise to to have taken that and made it his own because it is about the, the relationships. Yes, you can read books. No question. Not my first choice, but you know why. Yeah. Dyslexia. However, um, gathering that that information, I think you'll find that it does come down to the fact that this person at NASA had a cousin that worked in the garment industry in Juarez and learned some things that put together the fabric of the, of the space suit. Yes. Right. And it's that relationship that started it. And it's, I get really excited when we start talking about relationship because it's, that's, that is, in my opinion, what we were created for was that relationship and community so that we can um, truly advance ourselves together. I mean, that's what we were built to do as a community. Um, and you know, as the thing that I, if there's anything people have valued or found that they should have even placed more value in before now through this entire pandemic, it is understanding the value of relationships and human to human interaction. Um, absolutely. So thank uh, you for to my mom. I got to hug my mom for the first time in, uh, eight months wow. uh, last weekend, you know, yeah. My mom's 82 and uh, just 
I didn't want to let go. I didn't yeah. realize I was still a little boy, but yeah, hugging my mom and, yeah. and you know, we still text and talk and all that good stuff, but relationships. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. The best things about me are the people that I've met. Wow. That's, that's powerful. You write that I, one down too? Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's one of those. Yeah. I, I we're completely off topic, but I don't care. Um, that's, I, I had the blessing. I believe it was this past weekend. Yeah. It was this past weekend of, um, getting to hug two of my grandmothers that I've not hugged in, uh, 14 months and, and getting wow. to see my parents for the first time in over a year. Um, and it's, you learn to value the relationships even more. Um, Absolutely. And, and seeing this peripheral, uh, I love the the direction and the thought process of the peripheral thinking because it, it helps us see the practical value. Um, but it, it helps us realize that, and this is something my wife who I've kind of put up a, a few comments from her. She's the smartest, smartest woman I know. She has often told me that uh, every open door, every relationship is an opportunity um, and not from like a self gain standpoint, but it's an opportunity to put ourselves out there more, to pour ourselves out more and therefore to inevitably receive more because that's what we were created to do. Absolutely. So yep. I love that. I'll, I'll, I'll say an amen and hallelujah to that one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Spot on. Um, so Paul, tell us, you've already told us how people can reach, reach out to you. Tell us some of the things that, that are, that people may want to engage you for or around when it comes to sure. learning more about peripheral thinking and how, how you could potentially uh, help them learn more about it. Absolutely. So for any organization that is uh, obviously that's looking for a, a keynote speaker, um, 45, 60, 90 minute things. You can, again, everything is, um, best way to reach me is through LinkedIn. Uh, just contact me there. I'm happy to, there isn't an industry that I don't, uh, hopefully it doesn't sound arrogant, but I don't believe that this is, um, is so specific that it can only apply to a certain number of industries. It, it seems to be resonating across a number of industries and designed so yep. uh, for companies uh, that are looking for someone to speak to their group or to just come in and stir the pot a little <laughs> within the the um, the executive ranks or a group of management or board of directors um, love spending time with them and walking through some of the principles of peripheral thinking the ways that those are uh, tactically implemented and are theoretically absorbed for groups uh, and if you just want to see if I'm a baker in Bulgaria, again, <laughs> um, check me out on, on, on LinkedIn. Um, and of course, the, the company that I work for is just, you know, outstanding intelligent contacts. Uh, again, a shout out to them. The, our leader, um, Jeff Maines, is, uh, is an outstanding individual uh, with some great insight. And I've learned a ton from him as well. So that's kind of how you can reach me and for the kinds of things that, that I do, some uh, strategic awesome. advisory and, uh, and speaking and and pot stirring. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Paul, for coming on the show. Um, I know that everyone will get an enormous amount of value on that. And, and Hey, if you're watching this right now and you can empathize with the message that Paul has shared or, or it impacted you, um, go ahead and like and share this this uh, broadcast because be that's the way we can get more more people engaged with this type of thinking. And that's, in my opinion, what's going to really help change the world. So, Paul, if you'll hang out for just a minute, I'll go ahead and close this out. Okay. Uh, outstanding. Thank you very much for having me.
Thank you. Absolutely. So again, thank you all for tuning in. We would not be able to do this if it weren't for you tuning in and contributing and continuing to engage with all of the thought leaders that we bring on here. Um, I am very excited to tell you that next week we're going to have um, actually three shows. We're doing a very different week next week. So I want to kind of give you a quick rundown of that so you can make sure that you know what's going on and you can are you are able to tune in. Um, first and foremost, on Monday, that will be March the 22nd, we will be coming live at 2 p.m. Eastern with none other than Joe Soto. And if you don't know who Joe Soto is, he is a marketing genius. He is uh, the creator of Marketing Agency Academy. He is the, He was a contributor to the Ty Lopez courses he has helped hundreds upon hundreds of companies, speakers, and authors um, really make the next go into the next realm when it comes to their marketing. Um, he is a personal mentor of mine, so I'm very excited to actually have him on. And then we're having a special edition of Leading to Sales on Tuesday. That is March the 23rd, and that will be live on Tuesday, March the 23rd at 4 p.m. Eastern. And we're gonna have none other than Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen. Mark is the co-creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series and is the best-selling author of all recorded history, as far as we know, other than one other book, and that's the good book. And he is the best-selling author of normal books of all time. And he and his wife are going to be coming on on Tuesday, a special edition to discuss the power of ask. Um, so make sure that you tune in then. And then finally, on Thursday, we will be back for our regularly scheduled programming, if you will, to steal from TV at 3.30 p.m. And that will be with none other than Frank Figluzzi, who was the former uh, who is the former assistant director of counterintelligence for the FBI and the author of The FBI Way. So with that, I look forward to talking to all of you next week with those amazing episodes and amazing guests we're bringing to you. And until then, I'm just here to keep reminding you, either give value or just don't buy.